Well, hello and welcome to Richard Picture Cast, our regular podcast all about helping students and teachers reflect on their work and track their path to success. We'll highlight Richard Picture's work. It's an online system focused on digital portfolios, badges, data dashboards, and individual learning plans. But in the process, we'll delve into progressive curriculum, instruction, and assessment areas and invite some guests with interesting teaching and learning stories. My name is Bill Carosa, your host for these chats. Today, we're speaking with David Nigadula. He's the founder of Richer Picture and author of the 2019 ASCD book, Demonstrating Student Mastery with Digital Badges and Portfolios. David, thanks for spending some time with us here on the podcast. It's always good to be with you, Bill. You know, as we're recording this, we're coming to a, a time of the school year which can be a little stressful as I work in schools and work with teachers because it's the end of the year and we need to wrap some things up. Now, in schools that are using portfolios, students have been diligently collecting their work during the course of the year. Now, in the old days, we remember when portfolios were just a bunch of folders, a lot of paper, and there was always a concern that the work that students you know, carefully put together would just end up collecting dust in some file cabinet. So how do we ensure that we don't have that digital equivalent of storing things aside that never really get looked at again? Yeah, no. One of the things that we learned early on in our research on portfolios, and this was back in the early days, you know, in the mid-90s, actually, when we did some of the initial things, was we learned that the critical thing about any portfolio system, what makes it successful for a school, is the process of actually reviewing the work, making sure that it's not just storing things, but actually having something that's an active part of school life. So one of the things that's evolved over time, um, the methods have changed, but one of the things we've really focused on is creating Processes for review. How do you actually look at a portfolio within the school structure? You know, let uh, an opportunity for kids to get some feedback. And with that, a lot of schools have come up with, I would call them rituals, you know, some sort of special event, special occasion where it's like, okay, we're going to take a break here for a moment and we're going to look back at what you've put into here. And some phrasing that's that's come up over the years to, to really um, summarize this is the idea of we want students to collect, select, reflect, and present. And the idea of that the collection is a critical part, obviously, but what's really important is the idea of students selecting key work that we should look at, reflecting on what's gone well and where they need improvement. And being able to present, being able to discuss what they've done with some audience. So this process has really become the heart of, of a lot of what we do. It's not really about the technology, although I'm sure we'll chat about it. You know, There are some ways that the technology can be of help. But it's really about creating that uh, communication between students and the critical people in the school, the teachers, the um, counselors, the parents, uh, to let them know what they're, how they're doing it and what's happening uh, with them. And using this, the, the, the work as evidence, being able to say, yeah, this is what's really important to me. And, and here's the demonstrations of that. As you know, I'm cleaning the house these days because <laughs> we're looking to, uh, uh, to move to a location closer to um, uh, one of my jobs. 
And as I go through the house, I have a lot of paper I haven't looked at in years. So your example of the of the dusty file cabinet is such a true thing in my life right now. Mm. There really is an advantage to a digital portfolio. It's not just more fun. It's not just cooler, but it's searchable. It's easier to access. And I would think that as a student presents this sort of thing and does those rituals toward the end of the year, that it's a great place to have a conversation. It's an organizing tool that's easy to access, easy to search, uh, and easy to present as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. And one of the things that can be very helpful in particular is to give the students the prompts to be able to say, let's let's give a reason for why you're looking at this. So um, one common prompt we've seen is for schools to ask the kids, I want you to look at some piece from earlier in this year or last year, or, you know, if they're a high school kid, you know, say something that from, from compare between grade nine and grade 12 and talk about your growth over time. What, what have you done? That's where can you see improvements? Where can you see things that you've done? Well, I mean, if, take the example of writing in theory, kids are doing responses to literature or persuasive writings all through K through 12, you know, the main genres of writing. But presumably the arguments that they're going to make in terms of being persuasive should be getting more sophisticated over the years. Um, so we should be able to, to see that kind of growth. And if you're looking for it, you know, it's one of those things that, that when the kids are looking for it, you know, they'll start to discover it. it's like, Hey, yeah, you know, that's not to say that their grades in and of itself need to be better or improved over time. But even, you know, a B-level paper from grade nine compared to a B-level paper at grade 12, you know, the students' grades may be consistent, but they can still talk about how things have changed. You know, what have they done? And their own experiences, more practice, you know, skills like that. Certainly kids are able to talk about that in, in physical activities. You know, they can talk about kids who are athletes or, or into the arts or, or so on, you know, can very easily describe that. But I think it's also true in their academic areas as well. If they um, really start to look back, things that kids struggled with earlier on in, in say, math. Now, oh, yeah, no, I remember having difficulty figuring this out, but now I, I really get it. I, I've used it enough. I'm, I'm understanding it. So that process of reflection is we find that kids find it very helpful to be able to think about their own work in that way. It's not just a matter of go down memory lane and, and find things, but to be able to actually say, here's the areas in which where I am now has grown over time. So, David, how are digital portfolios used to display academic progress growth over time during parent conferences? Sure. So parent conferences is one of those rituals that many schools already have and, and can be a great opportunity to review student work. So first, what the portfolio presents is a set of evidence. You know, we've got some things that we can actually look at. And it's not uncommon. You know, this has always been true that, that teachers would have you know, a sample of the students reading or math available to be able to look at. And let's look at this um, how your child has been doing in each of these academic areas. But when you add a digital component to it, we've 
found some very powerful things. For example, having video clips of student reading. And it doesn't have to be long, 30, 60 seconds of the student being able to open a book and are they decoding, you know, watching them decoding the words and, and doing what they, you know, asking them questions about reading comprehension. Is the student pointing along with their fingers? Are they able to articulate things? And what happens in these conferences and, you know, with the parents and even the student, if they're there, is to be able to say, let's just look at this clip of reading and let's talk about it. Here's what I, as the teacher, have observed. Do you notice this at home if you're the parent? Or, you know, is there something, maybe they're more confident at home and maybe less so at school or vice versa? You know, are it, it becomes a, rather than a general description, oh, here's how your student is reading, being able to have something to bounce off of. The teachers who have talked about it really feel that this is enhances the conversation. And if the student is included as well in, in these conferences, which, which some schools do, then they're able to say, yeah, here's what I felt that day, or here's the sorts of things I, I think I could, uh, um, that I noticed that I've gotten better at or that I need to improve on. The point of it is to enhance the conversation, but having that little clip, having those things, uh, and also being able to look back over time, you know, to easily flip back and say, here's how I was reading six months ago, a year ago, and so on. And to be able to say, this is great. See how you've improved in these areas. But see, you know, there's something here that, that we could still work on. It doesn't have to be much, but it, it can really create some really rich conversation. So one of the ways I'd like to brag about you, David, a little bit is your early work with Ted Sizer. Ted formed the Essential Schools Movement. He was well known for the book Horace's Compromise, which was an important book for me early on in, in my career. And one of the major components of Essential Schools was the senior presentation, which still goes on in, in tons of schools throughout the uh, the country and, and the world. And your role with that, David, was especially around digital portfolios as part of that senior presentation. Talk about how those sort of techniques are helpful for older students in, in middle and high school as they reach the end of the school year. Yeah, no, it was really fascinating. Um, Ted's original idea um, with the essential schools was to establish a set of what he called common principles, things that, that every school would adapt to their own environment. And that was a critical part of it, but that he, he was always enamored of the notion of assessment by, he would call them exhibitions and some kind of demonstration of what you were doing. You know, not that tests have no place for it, you know, that there's no place for tests in schools, but the idea that the significant work of, of what students would be doing is preparing to demonstrate what they do, just like in um activities like sports, you know, you do the games. Well, how how can you exhibit your skills? And many of the high schools that were involved in the essential schools uh, programs started to, you know, generated different ways for, for kids to show what they knew, to be able to say, here is the end of the year work. So a whole lot of fascinating schools all over the country. And in particular, I was always enamored by a school in the Bronx called University Heights, which had this thing called a round table, where students would present their work to a panel that included teachers and some peers and potentially administrators and 
Um, what's always fascinating was that parents were invited to this too. Um, and as we started to move along here, one of the, the critical steps for us was in the state of Rhode Island when portfolios became a graduate, a component of the graduation requirement. And some of the schools here uh, started doing a type of senior presentation where kids would say, here is what we're able to do and to be able to show um, my demonstration towards that. In recent years, um, a lot of schools across the country have started with this idea of a vision of a graduate. Here is what we expect students to do. We wanted to be global citizens or communicators or thinkers or whatever. And then coming back to the essential school idea, no two school good schools are going to be alike. So we assume that our, you know, when we've done our work on richer picture, that no two schools are going to have the exact same review process. So the way we've set it up, students have these components of a vision of a graduate set up as, as digital badges. And that sometime before they graduate, they're going to have to demonstrate what they put together. We use the term tour. So what happens is that students will select from their work over time. If students have been putting in a couple of pieces from every class they've taken, they might accumulate, you know, 50, 70, 100 pieces, you know, over um, four years. But the idea is to select out a, a reasonable sample, but, you know, not every piece to be able to say, here are my key skills. Here is, you know, you want us to show the ability to, to understand being a global citizen. Well, here are some of the things I've done. And it could be academic work. Here's uh, research I did in, in my history class. It could be extracurricular work. You know, here's things I did in student government or that I showed leadership in some way. Maybe it's community service out in, out outside of the school. But the idea is that students are saying, here is my understanding of what you're expecting of me as a graduate, and here is how I'm going to demonstrate it. So uh, let me walk you through the stuff that's important to me to be able to show this is what's important. And it's really fascinating how this comes up. Coming back to that, what would happen, you know, the idea of, of the conferencing is that um, the way these presentations are often set up, the student will present at a designated time. Um, more often than not, it's with multiple teachers. Uh, so it's not just one teacher doing the review. And scheduling can be interesting. You know, some schools do it during the exam block, since the, the schedules are off, are, are a little different during that time anyway. But sometimes it's through advisories or various things. But what's been fascinating is, as I remember, one school in particular um, let parents know this thing, you know, the first year they did it, we're going to be having these presentations. Uh, kids will be um, talking to teachers about their work, and they let the parents know about it. Some of the parents actually took that as an invitation and started showing up. And the faculty didn't necessarily expect that. But the following year, they thought this was great, you know, and it was really a, a deeper conversation when the parents were there. So... They the next year they specifically invited the parents and they set aside some babysitting services and so on. I mean, these aren't long activities. You know, the kids are presenting for maybe 15, 20 minutes, and the teachers will have some questions, and, and so the whole thing is often over within um 20 to 30 minutes. But that process of stepping out of your role as the math teacher and saying, I want to talk about your overall growth as a student, they they've created some very powerful things. 
the most common reaction that teachers have to this is to be able to say, I've had a bunch of these kids all year and I learned things I didn't know about them. And that's been, been really, really helpful. It provides kids some validation on, on you know, the things that they have learned. And it provides some overall direction that just doesn't happen often enough at the secondary level. So it's been a really interesting process on, in terms of how these things have come together. So David, thanks for chatting with us about this these end-of-the-year rituals and reviews and how digital portfolios can be a powerful organizational tool for this conversation. Tell us about how we can get a hold of Richer Picture if people are interested in, in perhaps looking at your product. Sure. I mean, you know, the easiest thing is to go to our website, which is richerpicture.com. You can also contact us directly at, at school, our email is schools at richerpicture.com. And we'll be glad to walk you through. We have a number of students who have graciously allowed us to use their work as examples. So we have samples of these tours that you could look at, and we can be glad to talk about what make, what would make sense in your school. And I know Richard Picture is hardly a one-size-fits-all organization, so you're very willing to improvise a little bit on what a school needs and, and really just spend some time chatting with administrators, teacher leaders on how you can really help engage students and, and get the conversation going on on their work. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's your vision as a school community that the, we're trying to use the technology to reflect that. So very much needs to be a part of your community. Well, David, thanks for your time today. If you have comments again on the show or ideas for future podcasts, feel free to email us, as David mentioned, schools at richerpicture.com. I'm Bill Carroza. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for the Richer Picture Cast. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.